Oh no, it's happy times and places. That bloke from all the Doctor Who DVDs and Blu-rays wanging on and trying to bring some enforced jollity into the world of Doctor Who, which we know is just full of anger. Anyway, he's going to try and choose his favourite things about a story chosen by a friend of his. Hello, um, my name is Paul Cornell. I'm a writer and um, you can find me on paulcornell.com. And um, my um, story that I'm going to nominate for Toby is The Curse of Peladon. Well, welcome back, everybody. It is episode two of The Curse of Peladon, and I have a very pithy Paul Cornell rattling through uh, his favourite things about this story. Paul, of course, is a very gifted Doctor Who writer, uh, a very nice and very interesting man, um, fiercely liberal sort of fellow. So I must bear that in mind. He's, uh, he's, uh, uh, you know, somebody who. Um, it's no surprise he's chosen a Pertwee story, I guess, because he's 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 very much, um, you know, when you see him sort of talking about things on social media, he very much, uh, you know, grapples with the the injustices of the of the day and engages in a way that I'm in, in increasingly not um, not because I necessarily think that's the the right way. In fact, I I think I think one probably has a duty to, but I don't know. My head is so mashed at the moment. Uh, uh, engaging in battles on social media seems far less a good use of my time than watching Doctor Who and saying nice things about it. Perhaps that's what I was put on this world to do. Uh, I thought I thought it was maybe to play the definitive Hamlet, <laughs> or uh, 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 you know, <laughs> win an Oscar um, uh, at the height of my Hollywood career, um, or at least no, I don't think I was ever that confident but at least i thought maybe you know be venerated for my shakespearean character acting but um no maybe it's to talk about doctor who i don't know how i feel about that <laughs> um and that's not to say i do it with any any great skill either <laughs> but just it just seems to be what uh, um uh, how i fill the gaps in my life and just you know you 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 lot seem to listen to it, so um, thanks for that. Anyway, um, I hope that didn't sound conceited. I, I was meant to be self-deprecating then, and then I worry it ended up with me going and listen to me talking wisely about Doc Two. No, I don't know that I. I throw this stuff out there in the hope that uh, my glib tongue and. Uh, uh, ability to recall the occasional fact about a character actor makes for a diverting 25 minutes and then I occasionally fall down introspection alley or uh, uh, go to uh, uh, self or take a turn down the self-deprecating uh, road that then seems to pull out into self-aggrandizing peninsula oh god I don't know what I'm talking about now but anyway whatever Shut up and watch Doc 2 and then talk about it, Toby. That's what you do. Yes. So we're going to watch part two of The Curse of Peladon, which I absolutely adored part one, having been quite surprised because um, previously on Happy Times and Places, I would say uh, I... Uh, 
you know, I'd never, I'd never have picked this as a as a particular favourite. It was always one I've rather taken for granted, just because uh, uh, it was one of the first that I saw. So obviously, once I'd seen one, that was a notch on the bedpost, and I was more excited about the ones that I hadn't seen. So because it was one I saw quite young, it never had quite that lustre for me because I'd seen it. And for me, it's always I always want to sort of have or try what I haven't had or what I haven't experienced. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> probably explains why i've got so many failed relationships but anyway let's go. not that i've ever anyway let's not get into that let's watch let's shut up toby and watch the curse of peladon episode two that i'm going to press play and you'll have heard in the background it's been sort of setting off of its own volition i'm going to press play in three two one it's the curse of peladon do you know what part of me wants to go back and edit that opening but the whole point of these is that they are what they are so if you didn't like it sorry um, I love this title sequence, I love this logo, I love this music, I love the fact that the music sounds like it's, it's, it's noises bouncing off the corners of time and space. I, I don't, it doesn't feel to me like it's played on any instrument. That is what I think is glorious about it. Um, so, uh, that's, that's... That there's lots of lovely stuff there you know Hepish is protecting the king Hep, you know Hepish is again the king essentially and yet he's doing it for him so that's a that's a beautiful dynamic he's very protective of the king but does bad things for the king's own good uh, there's a, a lot to say there um, the fact that the doctor has rescued Islia means that they now have a nice bond um, uh, and 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 the doctor obviously of course absolutely cutting through the poppycock of any idea that there's a curse uh and and going well no uh, it's 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 ghosts don't push statues over um uh you know shows the doctor's worth to, to to a story like this just as the character that that the doctor is and here is alpha centauri who i barely talked about uh in in episode one I love Alpha Centauri. I love Stuart Fell's funny little um, doddery, um, fussy body language. And is Anne Churchman, what a blooming legend uh, that she uh, uh, has. Uh, she got the biggest gap between Doctor Who, Doctor Who performances. And she's in her 90s now. And I was always, because this was one of the first DVD commentaries that I did. I think it was the second set and we had Terence Dix, Barry Letts, Chris Doyley, John and Katie Manning on Curse. Uh, is there a crash zoom here? That's a, but if not, that's a lovely, I love that shot, the depth that we've got there, that that set has the throne room behind it and then the throne room has a raised bit as well. So the staging of that, look at the depth and the amount of characters in that shot and then we cut to a high shot in the throne room. So really brilliant use of space, a very canny piece of of, of blocking as well to make the picture constantly interesting and attractive and, and, and have the dynamics of, of the positioning of the people. That's really well directed by, by Lenny Main. Um, what was I talking about? Yes, uh, 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 nice moments between Joe and the Doctor where, you know, he trusts her to go and do a little bit of investigating uh, and she's got the, uh, you know, she's got the chutzpah to do it. Um, and I like anything that's a sort of, uh, you know, an unspoken moment uh, and, 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 
you know, Pertwee can be very patronising of, of, of Joe. I've been Pertwee, the do- I prefer to the doctor as Pertwee. Um, but 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 I, I but they they also have those moments of understanding between them that I really really like. Um, he's a complex he's a complex doctor old Pertwee, isn't he? Because he can be infuriating sometimes. But you you get the impression that that's the sort of point. But I think because we also know that John Pertwee himself could be a bit sort of pompous and a bit testy we go well is that just him doing that with the doctor and do we want a doctor who's flawed but of course the whole point of his doctor is that he is flawed that's his whole journey isn't that he you know and he's ultimately punished for his flaws in planet of the spiders and cleansed in a buddhist way which is just great um that the most sort of clubbable and establishment doctor is uh, is 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 uh, sort of uh, yeah uh, detoxed by Buddhism but um, there is no plot I'm being completely honest with you in fact is I think in in uh, Paul's book the discontinuity guide not just Paul Martin uh, Keith Topping as well um, they use that as a, a as a double entendre don't they or as, as, a, as, a, as a as a line uh, that, you know that King, King Peladon's saying there is no plot i.e. there's no plot in this story but there's plenty of plot in this story um haven't even mentioned that King Peladon is played by David Trout, and I was so excited when I read in the credits uh, of the Doctor and the Monsters showing I was a credit reader even then. Um, David Trout, son of Patrick, oh, how exciting. Um, and I know David said that he was... Uh, I've, inter- I've had the pleasure of interviewing David, that he was, uh, that he was I think, offered this. Um, having been an extra in Enemy of the World, we can spot him. Um, I, I love... The relationship between Joe and King Peladon. Um, I mean, Peladon is a bit soppy, but you know what? Again, when I was eight or however old I was, I absolutely fell hook, line, and sinker for this. And they don't—they don't have an awful lot of time to sort of uh, establish it. You know, it's very much a—you know—it's it's, not—it doesn't develop like a relationship in a modern drama developments it's a bit sort of fairy tale and yet the two actors absolutely sell it oh you know how to you know how to chat up the girls well he does now he makes a real hash of it later on uh i love you i'm going to execute your friend (laughs) but i totally buy this and this is beautifully shot the close-ups of the hands and everything again i think the sort of quality but look and look at the way that she looks at him um and you would fall in love with her wouldn't you of course you'd fall in love with her um oh now he's gonna put his foot in it ah <laughs> yes uh hey hey baby do you want us do you want to come back to my place and speak to the commission of aliens <laughs> Oh, it's wonderful because it's it's all great character stuff, and it's and it's good for their dynamic. Um, and you know the fact that he's he mucks it up so royally, excuse the pun, is is the sort of point. But it it totally works. He's excellent. She's excellent. Uh, that's a brilliant shot of Hepesh uh, doing his you know again fairly sort of cliched high priest thang. And I've always wanted to have some of that stuff that you throw into the flames to make it go and i loved grun the king's champion i discovered a thing that i that uh, 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 i don't think was 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 uh, uh, understood by the 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 
the the the Doctor Who people sorting out the DVDs and stuff. Um, uh, in that, because Gran is credited as Gordon St. Clair, but I once saw an advertisement for a an Australian Doctor Who convention that said um, Gordon Stoppard. Grun from the Curse of Peladon will be appearing or whatever. And then there's Gordon Stothard, who is a Cyberman in uh, The Wheel in Space, and actually then crops up as one of the warehousemen in uh, The Invasion, where there are plenty of Cybermen and he doesn't play any of them. Um, but if you look at those warehousemen, they're Gordon Stothard, actually, Stothard, and uh, Miles Northover, who's a, a Croton. So both of those warehousemen who, who, in episodes two and three of The Invasion, or certainly episode two, um, who, who carry the crates and have the strength of, because they've been cyberly augmented or whatever, um, are, are, you know, the faces underneath Doctor Who monsters from around that time. Uh, and you can see that one of them is Grun. And I went, oh, so Gordon St. Clair is Gordon Stoppard, is Gordon Stothard. Ah, they're all one and the same person. And then it all sort of fell into place. But I don't think I don't think anybody had, uh, had, had kind of put that together when we were looking at where to find people for the DVDs and stuff like that. Um, and I've had an email about Gordon recently, which might not be good news. I need to double-check that. Um, I kept meaning to write to him. He, he's definitely went to Australia. Um, I mentioned him to Derek Ware, and Derek Ware wasn't very complimentary, and I can't remember why now. Uh, uh, but 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 Derek could be Derek could be a bit downbeat, especially on people who weren't proper stuntmen. Ah, uh, because Gordon, of course, has the the very long fight scene in this, and Derek was not happy about uh, the Curse of Peladon because it's the it's the one outing, isn't it, of profile, which is basically Terry Ware's uh, T- Terry Walsh's outfit that was basically stealing the Havoc idea, but then then. Uh, it was just Terry Walsh. It wasn't profile, and profile were never seen or heard of again. But uh, Derek Ware was, yeah, was 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 not happy about the departure of Havoc from Doctor Who, and in fact, a lot of seventies television because he was stung by not being able to be a stunt union, and and I think he felt that Terry Walsh kind of nicked nicked the Doctor Who gig off him because he was because uh, he was a good double for John Pertwee. Um, love the relationship between these two. So Katie and Gordon Stothard both ended up in Australia. Um, this, but I, I loved Grun. I remember, again, what, when I watched this for the first time, the, you know, the, the, the good-hearted mute. Looking at it now, it's a bit as, sort of as patronising as the strong, silent... Uh, uh, and he's, you know, you know, black man character of, uh, of of Eva of the Daleks and Tomb of the Cybermen, and you go, uh, I mean, do you, do, 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 can we not have another character from the, from from the black person? You know, it's it, that seems a little bit. You go, oh, that's a bit. And and now that I'm much more conscious of of how disability is portrayed, you know, um, uh. uh you know, I have to be conscious that I'm not being patronising of the of the mute character by going, oh well, he can't talk, but he's got a heart of gold, and he's easily duped. I mean, substitute black black man for disabled man, and you've sort of got the similar sort of character. But you could also say, and they're all tall as well. They're being mean about tall people, but um, but I I to, to have to have I I like the Doctor's relationship with Grun, and I like the fact that Grun. Although he is sort of controlled by Hepesh for a bit, ultimately does does the sort of right thing, and the, and the Doctor spares him in the fight later, doesn't he? Which I I like all of that sort of stuff. Um, 
This is a great ruse, of course, because, spoiler alert, um, Arcturus is the bad guy, uh, but this is a nice little um, plot sleight of hand that the Doctor, of course, thinks it's the Ice Warriors because the Ice Warriors are bad guys. Um, the, in fact, the Doctor's being a little bit racist here. Um, you know, he's encountered some bad Martians in the past and he's like, well, I'm automatically going to think it's you. Uh, and Alan Bennion is excellent as Islia. Um, is, I've got a feeling Paul wrote somewhere that Islia is one of his favourite Doctor Who characters. I might have to bear that in mind for when I'm choosing my favourite things. Um I now I remember there's a bit in this where doesn't doesn't uh, Skell say I you know I found it in the hands of the princess I'm sure that comes later because he finds her when she's searching the the Martian quarters um, oh yeah because it's been planted so that yeah so the 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 sort of who done it um, mystery is 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 fairly you know uh, economically and ele elegantly done as a, as a as a piece of you know, straightforward adventure storytelling. Um, so a lot of things going out of focus in uh, in, in this. Uh, I, I I love these Ice Warrior costumes, and this is uh, lovely Sunny Caldinez. There's there's a theory amongst some of the uh, high brains of fandom that Skell and Skell, who's the one in Monster Peladon, and Sorg in this are actually voiced by Barry Letts, um, and I'm sure David Brunt. Actually, yeah, why are you here? But I thought he'd got a hint of... This is not ours. Yeah, Because I always thought he had a slightly American accent, but a, a Barbadian or a Jamaican accent can seem... Must inform Yeah, isn't, isn't that sort of... That slightly American-sounding thing a bit... Could, could that not be a slightly Caribbean sort of twang that, that Sonny Caldinez does actually have but but David Brunton I think Nick Pegg and, and, and some of those hybrids swear that it was Barry Letts who was too honourable to say that he'd done an acting job in Doctor Who uh, but that did sort of say it slip that fact uh, to them in a brown envelope or <laughs> under the kit under the table um, I don't know either way but it's an interesting curio that that has been raised as a thing lovely again high shot there this is great work from Lenny Mayne um, uh, so, and, and yeah, because you actually think Grun is being, or the Doctor thinks Grun is being helpfully, but he does actually become an ally later on. Um, but I do like uh, Arcturus. I just love the design. I love everything about Arcturus. He's this brilliant head in a box that's got that liquid uh, flowing through. He's got that chippy little gittish delivery about him. Um, but but Alpha Centauri is, uh, I mean, you know, responsible for one of the great Doctor Who anecdotes of uh, director Lenny Main saying, uh, taking one look at the costume that didn't have the cloak at the time and going, looks like a giant dick, uh, and then take it away, and they take it away and put a cloak on it and send it back to him and goes, now it looks like a giant dick in a cloak. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> um, with you. Does that sound like Barry Letts? 
Oh, I don't know. Because, of course, I always found it slightly perplexing that they go to the trouble of, of giving the Ice Warriors mouths, and you can occasionally see the mouths move in some of the other Ice Warrior stories. Um, uh, but they, the mouth doesn't actually move. It's, it's the hands of the Earth Princess, that's the bit I remember. Although I think I'd remembered it as being Sorg saying it. Um, but it always perplexed me slightly... Um, uh, that that actually the ice warrior they go to the trouble of giving it a mouth, but then when it talks, its mouth doesn't open or close. You go, oh, why, why? Uh, I don't understand that because it it, it 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 would be easy enough to do to have the actor opening it. And I and I know the the ice warriors are are sort of post dubbed. Um, Islia isn't because he's got a very mobile mouth, but the the other ice warriors, including uh, Bernard Breslau in uh, the ice warriors, are are. Uh, you know, pre-recorded and and sort of mouth along, but it, it seems a bit odd to have a, a totally closed mouth on a on a costume that has a, a a slit for a mouth and an actor with a mouth. But uh, not quite got to the bottom of why they do that. This is this is very well done. Again, this film stuff, such a limited amount of it, but it's re- but that I really feel the wind and the and that that whistling noise. You know, you can it it, it really sells the whole sort of inclement weather. Uh, and and that's brilliant. That, that you know, you you totally buy the height and the, and the stones sort of tumbling down and the dust. Uh, it's all really really nicely done. And that whipping wind. Uh, this is great stuff, isn't it? This is great stuff. And and it's the Doctor and the Companion uh, are very game throughout this. They 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 engage in the adventure and they, they you know they throw themselves into the danger. Um, yeah, terrific, terrific gotta love it uh, why have i never loved this story like this uh I, again i think it's just because i'd seen it so early that i i, I was more interested in the stuff that i hadn't uh, hadn't seen um uh and yeah so i i but i did get to do the uh i did get to do the dvd commentary uh on this um uh, we, and we couldn't get David Troughton and I think there was a feeling at the time as oh he doesn't want to be on it because he doesn't want to talk about his dad or whatever and then I emailed him to do Who's Round and he, he was perfectly happy he talked to me and I've worked with David a couple of times and he's absolutely great and perfectly open um, I think he was just busy and not available um, uh, love the costume for Agador mighty Nick Hobbs I saw Nick Hobbs in a BBC thing a, a couple of years only a couple of years ago and uh, of course he's in Amy's Choice he's one of the few credited classic series actors i got into trouble for saying this i mentioned uh, uh, that gilbert Wynn in the crotons i said oh you're one of the few actors to have done uh, classic doctor who and torchwood and somebody went on a forum and went well uh, there's this actor and this actor and you go are you going to quibble with my use of the word few it's just my way of pointing out that gilbert Wynn was in torchwood and in doctor who I, th- I think it's reasonable to say few because of all of the actors that have been in doctor who not that many of them have been in torchwood but i love that somebody will go to a forum to quibble with such phraseology uh compared to the amount of doctors that have been actors that have been in doctor who nick hobbs is one of the comparatively few uh these ice warriors look great these corridors are brilliant design they've got real length to them um you really get the sense of scale, um, and they're great costumes. The I swear costumes. Nick Hobbs uh, is in Amy's Choice because he's a stuntman as well as a, uh, 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 an actor. He's mostly a stuntman. Um, 
and uh, and I saw him in this BBC drama, uh, and I went, well, that's Nick Hobbs, isn't that great that he's still working? Because as I say, it was very recently, uh, and I went, but he's, he's surely not going to survive this opening sequence that he's quite prominent in because it's he's Nick Hobbs, and no, and he goes to the roof and chucks himself off. But I was very pleased that I still because I, you know, you always play that game with Terry Walsh, don't you? Where you go, well, he's going to climb up a ladder and fall off it, or get clonked over the head, and uh, I was pleased to see Nick Hobbs and go, yeah, well, he's going to fall off something. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, the, I, I think the ice warrior costumes are very, very, very good, and I, and I and, and it always excited me because, of course, I knew when watching these ice warrior costumes that they'd been in old Doctor Who, so they're even better because they were basically the longer ago it was, the, the less likely I was to have been alive when it was on, the better. <laughs> Self-hating can you get that the further it away something is from your existence, the better it actually is. Um, but um, uh, he's he's got great dignity, old uh, old uh, Alan Bennion, and 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 Islia is a is a fantastic character. Uh, I, again, I remember loving him so much. I like Sorg's Sonic Cannon as well. I do prefer, I think, uh, the Sonic Cannon to the to the sort of wrist guns uh, that the uh, the other Ice Warriors have, which. I, but I guess because I probably this was my first experience of ice warriors. Sometimes your your first is is your sort of d d definitive. Because um, I'm sure I wonder if for fans who had been brought up on the original, you know, the ice warriors of yore, um, like I can't believe they've given him a sonic cannon. Why hasn't he got an arm gun? This is a complete aberration of what the ice warriors meant to be. Clearly, when they uh, forged the way of peace, they got rid of their. Uh, their, uh, their, 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 their wrist weapons uh, and went for a, a, a handheld cannon instead. <laughs> um, but, um, oh, haven't the modern ice warriors also not got the, the brilliant claw things too? Yeah, I mean, come on, guys. Um, make it work. I love the ice warrior claws. If Saw can grip onto his cannon and not make it go off at the wrong time uh with with a claw surely a modern ice warrior could could cope with having a claw um lots of beautiful you know it, tr it trusts its costumes to go in that close uh, any man is not afraid to pull the camera right back in the set to give it a sense of depth and scale or then to get right close in on his actors and his uh uh and he, he also does a few zooms doesn't he i seem to recall um i'm really impressed with lady main's direction of this um, and, he, and he's not a director that uh, that often gets sort of praised, particularly in the in the in the, you know his 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 story is that he was the you know he was the funny sweary Aussie who who died tragically. Indeed, I've made a documentary about him uh, and uh, was very very pleased and flattered uh, to be well, so welcomed by his his twin daughters Sadie and. Uh, Nicky, um, um, Hepesh is a wily old fox, isn't he? Um, but the the beauty of Hepesh is that he is doing the right thing, as far as he is concerned. It's not some crazy 
I want to take over the world because I'm mad or I want to kill people because I'm evil. He he is worried about the future of his planet and he doesn't want to enter the EEC. He's, he's basically a Brexiteer. Uh, and, uh, you know, all, all, although I am... Uh, not of that inclination. I am not also not somebody who dismisses people uh, of, uh, of different political views to me of being awful, evil people um, beyond redemption. Because um, if you think like that, you're essentially a Dalek. Um, if you know um, the, the you know what it, what it, what is the truth and uh, what what is best. It's 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 usually a, a mixture of things and. Uh, and I'm I'm aware of the inherent uh, contradictions and flaws in my own uh, my own political view, and I I, uh, I have to be in that of others. But we, uh, you know, by by acknowledging we're all hoping for the best, um, even though we have different different uh, uh, different ideas about how to achieve that. I think you 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 you're on a you're on a better footing. That may make make me sound naive, and yes, I know some people are gits, um, but. Um, and but I there are gits on both sides of uh, the uh, Galactic Federation argument, um, but I think this is this very maturely. Um, although Terence Dix would also say, "Well, we'd always say, well, well we didn't, uh, we didn't, uh, we, we, you know, that was all. There was there was never any intention to do political stuff. Rubbish, rubbish. You're not telling me that this is a coincidence and that the miners in in Monster Peladon are coincidence. It's just that." Terence would that was Terence would always sort of bat that sort of side. Oh no no, we just did, didn't want the te- the test card. There's absolutely no way that this the parallels between this and the uh, entry into the common market were, were just a massive coincidence. Um, Terence just didn't want to make a big thing of it because he would never suggest he was making anything highfalutin uh, because he was far too humble and because he wasn't. He was making a kids' adventure serial, but it is one that resonates because of things like this that could be one of my favorite things the political subtext and the way that it handles it i think quite maturely um i also like joe and king peladon uh i I love that scene where they seem to be getting on and then he goes yeah could you before we yeah uh, here's some flowers here's some perfume uh, I'd love you to put on that perfume when you go and speak to the other delegates on my behalf or whatever. Um, I love Alpha Centauri. I love Islia. Paul's going to choose Islia at some point. Uh, or or the fact that the Ice Warriors are good. I might roll those two things into one. Um, uh, I will choose for this particular episode. What was my favourite I think, I th- I think the scene between Joe and King Peladonna, which speaks to, I wonder if I should save this for the last episode because I think it's really sad when she says goodbye to him and they do that and have a little kiss. Um, but I th- I think because Joe has several sort of attempted affairs, doesn't she? Um, and you know I don't think I'll be choosing her holding hands with the Thal Latep. Uh, but but I I I think this this one really does work, and I remember it taking. And I'm not one particularly for soppiness in Doctor Who. Um, I you know I'm not I'm I'm you know I'm, 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 I'm I certainly don't do cartwheels of joy at the idea of the the Doctor being in love with somebody because 
frankly, all other programs have central characters who fall in and out of love with each other. And and, and as somebody that finds, you know, as a as a as a as a kid who was never, uh, you know, very confident about such things, it was nice to have a, a a series where those things weren't important. That you could have an exciting and adventurous life whilst being a bit unsure that you'd ever, you know, be able to ask a girl out or whatever. And and, and I and I think. Doctor Who being quite asexual is 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 a refreshing point of difference between Doctor Who and and other characters. I actually think the way that Russell T Davis dealt with that was was actually very good. Um, so uh, so even though my my natural disinclination towards it, I can I'm I can be changed. I can be I can I I, I can be made to swing in the other direction. Um, but, but yes, it's I, I'm disinclined to sort of care that much about lovey stuffy dovey stuff in Doctor Who because everyone's programs have lovey dovey stuff in, whereas Doctor Who's is the one with the exciting aliens and blah blah blah. However, when it does it and it does it well, it can be because sometimes it does it badly. No, Lartep, Android, you know, etc. But I think I think this is so well played by the two actors. Um, and it's done with such economy, and yet that it's pulled off. It's believable, even though it's you know its raw elements are not believable. It happens so quickly and in such a small amount of scenes, and he makes such a hash of it so often. But it it works because of the way that it's played and the way that it's done. It, it's it's that it's they get given just enough, um, and the actors are trusted to use the small amount of screen time they have to do that. To, to do it and they do it and and it is very touching and even though uh and you know it's brave enough to sort of show peladons to screwing up but for kind of understandable reasons um and i liked all the shooting of it those lovely close-ups of the hands and the fit and, and that, that ties in with with lenny main's you know shooting right close up in the faces as well uh so joe and king peladon kissing in a tree <laughs> kissing in a throne room uh uh with his i mean his with his boots and his shorts which is an odd combination isn't it uh i mean his shorts you know barely cover his thighs and his boots go right above his knees i think uh that's that's certainly a combination you don't see very often uh that i, I won't be uh i have to say i won't be uh I, I won't be rocking up to the chalton arts club uh in that kind of combo uh, <laughs> i'm, I'm, I'm Strictly a cardigan man nowadays. Now, um, I've got to find Paul on my computer here. What's he going to choose? Paul Cornell, Doctor Who writer, special guest. Choose about the Curse of Peladon, episode two. From episode two, my favourite thing is Joe's relationship with King Peladon. Get in! So well drawn and gives the companion her own screen time and her own plot in a much meatier way and is actually amounts to something more than the usual companion and um, guest cast member look at each other a little bit fondly and then go their separate ways at the end of four episodes. Um, yeah, absolutely. It is, it is, and it was worth picking. Definitely worth picking, because then suddenly the hate does come in from behind, uh, which I wouldn't advise you to do, King Peladon, not until you've smoothed things out. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, uh, ju- yeah, but judging by the two introductions I've done to these episodes, that's not going to be the worst thing I say for this this edition of the podcast. Anyway, uh, so I'm going to go to bed now. 
much happier than I was an hour ago when I started uh, this look at the Curse of Peladon because I've done episodes one and two together. And I'll return for episodes three and four, as will you. Uh, but um, I go to bed. Uh, even Stevens with... Uh, oh, I hope I get to do that uh, at the Green Death. Uh, how are you doing? Stevens, we're evens. Um, but I'm... Uh, yeah, uh, even Stevens with Paul Cornell uh, as we're halfway through the curse of Peladon. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. Um, and uh, I will speak to you next time we find ourselves trying to gain entry into the common market um spoilers reader we we did and then then we aren't anymore um but that's one of those other things i won't get into online um am i a coward i just think there are probably better people that do it that are doing it than me um anyway i think there's better people at doing most things everything than me apart from waffling on and not knowing how to end a podcast i'm very good at that uh, and i'm about to hopefully now get bad at it by ending the podcast by going bye bye now the end bye 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 well i think you're all very lovely for listening to happy times and places which is presented by me toby haydock my special guest at the moment is Doctor Who and other things writer Paul Cornell. He can be found at paulcornell.com, on Twitter at Paul underscore Cornell, and he is the host, the co-host of the Hammer House podcast at Hammer House Pod on Twitter. Find all of those things. I would very much like to spend the rest of the theme tune thanking the patrons who make these podcasts possible, and they include Neil Tate, Nick Temple, Sabrina Tirabassi, Reynard Toombs, David Trainier, Apollo C. Vermouth, Gary Wales, Adam Westwood, Rich Wiggins, Michael Williams, Andrew Willis, Andrew Wilson, Stephen White, Adam Parker, James Bell, Lee Wakerley, and Reese Williams. The music for these podcasts is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. And if you too would like to be a patron, you get a name check every now and again. Uh, you also get advance releases, exclusive material, more material per week than comes out on iTunes, and lots of other little goodies, including photos of my dog, which may not sound uh, like all that, but actually people do like them because he's a very cute dog. Um, unless you don't like cute dogs, in which case that's free anyway. That's not part of the part of the three pounds per month, which is the entry level uh, Patreon tier. Uh, you can get 10% off that and indeed any of the tiers if you sign up for a year. Um, but that lowest tier gets you access to most of the things. There are a couple of little trinkets further up the ladder, which goes up to a million pounds if you'd like it to. Um, I'll accept any. I'll accept any figure. Um, uh, but uh, as I say, for, 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 for most patrons, everything is pretty much available Um and also, if you cannot do the patron thing, because that's a monthly commitment, which is quite a lot to ask. Well, I'll tell you what you can do. You can go to ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. And uh, it's like a sort of virtual busking. If you are so inclined that day, having listened to one of the podcasts to chuck me a few pennies, you can do it uh, to any denomination you like. And you don't have to do it 
ever again. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. I'll tell you what costs nothing though. Uh, and that's going to iTunes or Podbean or some of those other places. Every time people come and say, I actually get my podcast from here. Do you do them there? And I go, apparently, but I, I don't know. Can't, why can't everyone just do the same thing? But anyway, go to your place uh, and give these five stars. Five stars really, really helps. And a couple of lines of review saying what you like about the podcast. Because there's a lot of Doc 2 podcasts out there. And a lot of them are very, very good indeed. Uh, and this just helps to uh, attract attention of any passing consumer who may not have been aware of the gold in these aerials. Uh, so if you could, uh, yeah, five stars and a, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and a few positive lines of review, wherever you get your podcast from, would be hugely appreciated. <laughs> This, uh, this set of credits and uh, post credits is a little bit poppy. I, I'm actually not done it in my little cupboard. Uh, I've stayed out, but uh, I've noticed it's a bit poppy, which isn't great on the ears. Uh, so we might have to we might have to have a l- less poppy podcasts next time. My son's dog is called Poppy. She'd be welcome on that. She's quite noisy. She's quite needy. She's she's not as well behaved as Bernard. It's always the same when it's your dog, isn't it? Yes, yes. My dog's terribly well. It's not like the other dogs. But, I mean, he is asleep now. Poppy would be nuzzling, trying to get attention. Uh, and, d- you know, desperate. Um, anyway, uh, but why do you care? You don't care. Anyway, I haven't seen Poppy for ages. She's very sweet. But she's quite high maintenance. Uh, right. She's a different sort of poppy to the poppiness of the P-sounds in this particular podcast. They're quite common things when you suddenly have to be aware of them. <laughs>